Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Welcome to worship. I'd like to invite you to stand with us as we enter into worship together and sing about what we'd really like. Good morning, church family, and happy Sabbath. We are so glad you're here to worship. We have a wonderful and very full Sabbath worship service ahead of us. So I'm going to be very brief this morning. There's lots of important things to announce, but we cannot take time to go through them all. Please look in your bulletin. There are some great flyers in there uh, that remind us about the women's ministry event coming up soon. Please take a note of that. 
the shoe boxes that we are packing for Christmas time, which by the way, there is a typo on that one. You want uh, to make note that it's $25 per box, the expense, not $20 like it says. Want to make sure you know that today there's a lot going on that you want to be a part of. Fellowship meal right after church, a couple wonderful small group uh, discussion groups, Bible study groups, the, the group on Romans and the group that is studying everybody always, the Bob Goff book. We'll meet after potluck in these rooms close by over here. And of course, this afternoon at four o'clock, we want to encourage you to be here to support the family for uh, Doris Roth's memorial service. But we don't have much more time to talk about stuff other than that. I do know that Dr. Bob is aware that there is uh, some issues people have been having with getting tickets for the King's Brass concert. You're welcome to see him. Uh, I think if you make sure to search Calamesa Christmas Concert slash King's Brass on the iTicket site, you're, you're more likely to find it. Uh, but if you have any questions, if you're having trouble, please see him. But we want to take some time during uh, our Church Life segment this morning to do something really special. We have been doing this Generation Series. I don't know about you, but I have been blessed by it. Amen. And last week we talked about the awesome young adults in our church. And we have an awesome young adult serving in Rwanda right now, Tyler Parker. And, yeah. And we have uh, some... Wonderful people, Carrie, and who's in the back, maybe you've met her already, and Liz, who's going to come up here in just a moment. They are from Impact Hope, the organization that Tyler is a part of that's serving out there. And they're going to share some information about what he's doing there and what their organization does. And we're going to start first with a video. Rwanda has worked hard to recover from the brutal genocide against the Tutsi in 1994. But refugees continue to flood into Rwanda from neighboring Congo. Terrorists often threaten, beat or kill adults and children as they attempt to escape the turmoil. After decades of war, many children are homeless and missing parents or siblings. Then they say, no, it's a trick. You are not a soldier. You didn't put my gun here. They say, no, you should be killed. And in that moment, I remember, I, I didn't know how to pray. But in my heart, I just kneeled down, kneeled down. Then I said, oh, please, my God, help me if I escape this place. I should serve you all the time. The number of people fleeing Congo in 2016 surpassed the number of refugees fleeing Syria in the same time period. Yet the world knows little of the current refugee crisis in Rwanda. Rwandan high schools are located in the cities, a long ways away from the camps. Often when returning from class, the students find nothing to eat. Then the students have to get up early and walk back to school on an empty stomach. Brave girls who walk as much as five miles one way risk assault or rape. It happens routinely. In 2015, Hans and Mindy Tigeson started Impact Hope, an organization that sends at-risk refugee youth to safe Adventist boarding schools in Rwanda. For $50 a month, a sponsor gives a young person an education and a vocational skill, plus safety and enough to eat, and all that in an environment that will build relationships with Jesus and create a life of service to those around them. There are other ways you can help too. You can volunteer, pray, and share with others how students in Rwanda's refugee camps find hope. 
Visit impact-hope.org to find out more. You can impact hope. Good morning. Matamutse is how they would say good morning to you in Rwanda. My name is Liz Thompson. I'm the executive director for Impact Hope. And we are happy to be here today. And I wanted to let you know greetings from Tyler Parker in Rwanda. <laughs> yes. We are so excited that Tyler is part of the Ministry of Impact Hope this year. And God brought Tyler to us within one week of the decision for him to make to go somewhere. And, and it was a specific reason. We were working on a docu-series to help showcase the problems that are happening in, in Rwanda that are right now. So this crisis that's happening, we're creating these video series, and Tyler is actually working on a huge part of it. So it's really amazing that he is there. And he just moved to Gahogo Adventist Academy, and he is now teaching English as well at the school. And so he is so happy to be there. He loves the kids in Rwanda. It's amazing. How many of you have uh, heard that there's still a, a crisis in Rwanda for refugees? Maybe some of you, because of Tyler's relationship, it is very sad, but most of our kids were born in these refugee camps that are absolutely horrible to live in. Um, girls are trafficked, um, girls are raped, they end up pregnant, and some of our own students during the summer when they have to go back to the camps end up pregnant and having to drop out of our program. So our program tries to help at least those girls also get a vocational skill after they have their baby so that they can find a way to feed their baby and be able to take care of themselves. So there's a big need in Rwanda, and we're inviting you to come to our table afterwards, learn more about it, get involved if you'd like. Um, and I want to leave you with this little short video series. It's a trailer that Tyler worked on for our new series that will be coming up this next year. So thank you so much for having us, and we look forward to talking with you. If you ask the average Westerner what they know about Rwanda, they probably wouldn't be able to point to it on a map. Rwanda, for most people, represents war. It was a genocide that lasted over 100 days, and arguably a million people were killed in that span of time. But since then, the country has found reconciliation and is actually one of the safer countries in all of Africa. It actually became a place of refuge for many people. In Rwanda today, there are six refugee camps with around 130,000 people in them. 76% of that population are women and children. 40% are kids under the age of 20. It's a bad thing to be called a refugee. It leaves the heart with sorrow. 
all of these things that happen in the camp, it's a bad life. For the anyone whom you love, you can't wish him to be a refugee. We're not here someone motivating you, like telling you everything will be okay. Just concerned about where will I get the food for, even not tomorrow, like this night, where am I going to get food on my table? You ask them, could you smile? They was doing something like smiling, just like this or this, because they can't even smile. They can't ask someone without the hope. Even to pretend smiling was not possible to them. Refugees in the camps recognize that their situation wasn't going to change. Wherever you lose hope, you die. I kept on saying I want to be a medical doctor. Without knowing how will it happen, with no hope of continuing to the higher level. That's when Impact Hope came in. And that was the beginning of the miracles for them. The student said, ah, you know, ma'am, I learned now the word breakfast. Because they have never had the breakfast. The little that is available needs to be used wisely so that people may continue having that hope. Some incredible work that Tyler is doing and incredible work that Impact Hope is doing for the needs there. Definitely want to keep uh, Tyler and his team in prayer. And please do take a moment to stop by the booth after church. At this time, we are going to forego our greeting uh, time, our shaking time, as Dr. Bob likes to call it, which is an important time. But uh, we do have some other important things to get to. So we're just going to invite the kiddos to come forward now for the children's story. And you have a special story, kids, that's brought to you today by Pastor Mark and the youth department. And as you come forward, we, of course, take up an offering to support Christian education at Mesa Grande Academy. So come on forward, kids. Good morning, good morning, come on up. Hey adults, I see some kids with empty hands out there. You gotta dig a little deeper in those pockets. Pull out those dollar bills. Guys, don't hold each other's hands. You gotta go hold some money. Go find some money. Basket's on its way over there. It's coming. All right, come on over.
How's it going? Oh wow, you got. Oh, oh, you dropped it. There's the basket. Huh? Would you look at that? This is money from Haiti. Throw it in there. Throw it in there. Thank you very much. Nice. Thank you so much for collecting that, kids. Um, thank you, adults, for sharing that. As you know, all the money that goes in this basket helps kids who can't afford to go to Mesa Grande go to Mesa Grande. So we love that. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? Well, I am really excited because we've been in this series on generations, and today we're talking about adults. And I am going to tell you a story about how we should listen to adults. Sounds good? Oh, do you hear that? Oh, guys, everybody look over here. It looks like we're going to have a commercial break. Are you an adult in the church wanting to get intergenerational? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself sitting in a church pew thinking, what can I do to help build my church? Maybe you're sitting in a church pew right now next to kids and young people. But the gap between you seems far. Well, we have the product just for you. Introducing the Listener 3000. The perfect tool to help you bond with younger people that you don't understand. All you have to do is put it on and you will be prodded by the Holy Spirit every time you act like a know-it-all adult. <laughs> Next time you see a kid running around and up to no good, the Listener 3000 reminds you to give them a high five and ask them how they're doing. Next time you see a person with headphones on and are tempted to say, the Listener 3000 will prompt you to learn about what they like. No matter the situation, the Listener 3000 will take any moment with any generation younger than yours and remind you to listen first, love second, and most of all, learn to bridge the gaps to bring our church together. What's better yet is that the Listener 3000 is up for a special deal for you, Calamasa Church. This amazing tool can be yours for the low, low price of free 99. All you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to give you a kind and listening heart, and we will send you the Listener 3000 with same-day delivery. Order yours now and start building a church that listens and learns from each other today. Wow, that, I don't usually like commercials, but that commercial was great. It was so good. I actually totally forgot the story I was going to tell. But you know, that commercial made me think about something. This whole series, Pastor Darren has been teaching us how to listen to kids, because you guys are really important, how to listen to youth, because they got a lot of good things to say. 
how to let young adults not just listen to them, but even let them lead in our church. And today we're going to be talking about adults. Now I hope that you guys don't get any callers that shock you at home. Don't put those around your neck. Please don't. But it would be really important for not only your parents to listen to you, but for you to listen and share with your parents. Because when we do that, we can all learn how to be a better church together. Do you guys agree? All right, so we're going to do one thing, okay? We're going to go stand up really quick, and I want you to see an adult, and I want you to say, hey, adult, listen to me. Okay, ready, set, go. Hey, adult, listen to me. Now we're going to say this, and then we're going to say, hey, adult, I'll listen to you. Here we go. Hey, adult, I'll listen to you. All right, thank you guys for listening. We're going to stay up here and sing a song together. So why don't you guys come up on the stage with us? Church family, can you stand with us while we sing this song together? And I know that some of you kids know the motions to this song. We've sang it at PBS several times. So if you remember the motions, make sure to do that, okay? The world is searching for an answer, a ray of hope in a hopeless world. Who can return to?
shining bright, bright, bright. He is the light of the world. Thank you, kids. You can go back to your seats now. Morning, church family. Morning. Happy Sabbath. So today we have a great opportunity to see a good friend of mine and one of our collegiates here at our church, uh, William Turderica, get baptized today. Um, for those of you who may not know Will, Will is a sophomore at um, a junior, sorry, junior at La Sierra University. He is studying criminal justice right now. Um, you know, he has a lot of goals uh, with that. And just how we came about this whole process of doing Bible studies was just an amazing thing. Uh, you know, I, as I got here at Calamesa, I just started texting a lot of people who were on a long list. And Will was one of the people who was kind enough to text me back, right? And that made me really happy. Um, and then as I got to know him, and we had these awesome conversations about God and about the Bible, I asked him, I'm like, Will, have you been baptized yet? And he told me no, and he's been here his whole life, and he just told me, he's like, I have now felt the call to be, uh, to be baptized into God's ministry. And it's not only a testament to this church as well, but also from his classes at La Sierra as well, which kind of helped them shape and finally realize, hey, now is the time. Uh, to get baptized, and he wanted to just give his life to Jesus. So we're just so grateful for that. Um, he didn't want to share anything. Uh, I asked him, but uh, I did most of the talking, so that's good. Um, so, Will, we're just, I want you to look out, though, before we do the baptism process. I want you to look at everybody who's a part of this congregation and know that this is your family. I want you to know that this is the group here that will support you, that if you ever need anything, they will be a part of this process as you continue to grow in life, as you graduate college and you move on. And I just want you to look. And church family, this is the person that you're looking out for as well now, right? He's been here a long time. You have looked out for him for a long time, but that process continues. And we're just so glad that you've decided to uh, get baptized today. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so grateful for Will, Lord, and what you have done in his life. We're grateful for your love, for your mercy and your kindness, and that, Lord, today he has decided to give his life to you. And we just ask that if you continue, as he continues this process and this journey alongside of you, Lord, that us as a church can be there for him as well, that we can always just support him, Lord, but more importantly, that he keep his eyes on you. And know that is the most important thing. We're so grateful for him and his ministry and everything that he's going to do. Bless him and his family always. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You good? And as always, 
if there's anybody who wants to get baptized, uh, please come talk to myself, any of the pastors on staff. We want to be a part of this process and this journey with you as well. And just thank you, everybody. time for the offering. I'd like to invite the deacons forward. Today's offering is for the church budget. This is our opportunity to demonstrate our commitment to our church locally and commitment to God's ownership of our Bow our heads together. Father, we're so grateful. We have hearts full of gratitude this morning for many, many resources poured into our lives, both material and otherwise. And today we want to just acknowledge your lordship over our belongings and our wealth by turning some of them back to you, to use for your purposes spiritually. So we thank you so much for your love for us. Look forward to seeing what you're going to do next. In your name, amen.
church family, um, as we have been talking about building our church intergenerationally these past few weeks, we of course have been singing in our theme song and hopefully also been thinking about this, that you know, no generation is uh, more special than the other and really there's no one generation we're trying to build this church on. We're just trying to together build this church on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus has to be at the center of everything that we do. And that's what we're gonna sing about in this song. Jesus be the center of it It's all about you. 
Jesus be the center of your church. Jesus be the center of your church. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess you, Jesus. Please join me with prayer. Hello, God. We humbly come before you. We want to give you thanks. We are so grateful for all that you've done for us. You've given us life. Help us to use that life to live for you. We are sorry for doing things that separate us from you. Please forgive us if we've done anything that leads us and others away from you. We are thankful for our freedom that we have today, freedom to worship you. We may not always have that freedom. Help us to use it as a chance to grow in you and to tell others about you. With all the wars going on around us, we see how fragile this freedom is. Thank you for this church and for our church community. Help us to always live by our motto of loving you and loving others. Thank you for our pastors. They are terrific. They don't have easy jobs. Jesus, you are here, and you know how hard it is to shepherd us. Please be extra close to them and give them wisdom as they work with us. I also want to pray for those who are involved in missions in other countries. It's not easy to be away from friends and family, especially as the holidays are coming. It's hard over there. Please be with them in a special way. Please be with them and give them the resources that they need to keep on working. Bless them emotionally and physically that they may reach others for you. Please also use us here at our school, at work, and our families to be missionaries too. When people see us, may they only see you. Holy Spirit, please guide us in all that we do. Thank you, Jesus, for dying. We love you so very much. Please be with us today. Amen. From beginning to switch gears here for a second and we're going to do something that is important before we get into the message today because the most important thing that happened today was Will's baptism and so Will we want to invite you to come up are you here are you ready yet did you I know your family is sitting right here 
Are you upstairs? You'd like to invite, there you are, my friend. Come, come forward. <laughs> hey, Will. We, we just want to take a moment. Thank you, Laura, for a wonderful prayer. We, we want to take a moment to do another special prayer just for you. Um, and I know that uh, Pastor Joseph, I think, has a gift, and it's, it's up here. Okay, let me, let me grab it for you. And another cool thing that we do, which it's kind of silly that, that we do it, because we know that you are already part of this church, but we like to just officially celebrate what we just witnessed uh, and give you an official invitation into the membership of this church. So is there a motion to accept? So moved. All those who would like to welcome Will into the church family as a member, even though he's already a part of this church, will you please say welcome? welcome. <laughs> Thanks for giving us the opportunity to do that. And uh, we also, like I said, wanted, oh, yes, one more thing. Beautiful. Um, I know that uh, these flowers are, are the, I don't know if these are also from your family, if, 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 they were, if Estera also did these arrangements, but we're so blessed also by the ministry of, the, of flowers from your family as well. So usually what we remember when we come up and do this, when we pray for those who've uh, been baptized, is when Jesus was baptized. And the very next thing that happened, he is, he is our example in scripture, but right after John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, he's in the wilderness being tempted. And so we like to remember that because we know that even though this is a wonderful step in the journey that you've taken with the Lord, it is, as Pastor Joseph said up in the tank, just one of those steps, and there's gonna be challenges that come Maybe even tonight, who knows, <laughs> or tomorrow. And so we want to pray for your spiritual journey also from this point on. Celebrate this moment, but also pray uh, for the challenges to come and the joys to come. So we take a moment to invite all the elders to come up, any family that would like to come up or welcome, and pastors that are here, or even just close family friends that would like to, to be here. And we're going to surround uh, Will and just pray over him. If you're not able to lay a hand on Will, you can lay a hand on the person in front of you. Lord, we are here laying hands on your servant Will because we know that you have called him to do incredible things for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that he has answered that call, that he is willing to give his life to you, uh, that he has discovered, as Paul says in Philippians 3, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And um, he's, he's seen that everything else is but a loss compared to that. So we're so glad for that decision he has made. We ask, Lord, that you would bless the next steps in his journey. We know from your own example in scripture that those next steps after baptism can sometimes be the hardest. Sometimes the temptations can be the fiercest. 
So we pray, Lord, that he would cling to your presence and rely on it. Lord, and that he would also know that your grace is there when maybe he doesn't walk perfectly like none of us do. So we thank you for that. We pray that you would bless his studies uh, at La Sierra. I thank you, Lord, that that has been a place that has impacted his life spiritually. Uh, continue to be with his professors there, the classes he takes. Uh, may you continue to grow and learn. And we pray for good fellow students and friends as well, the social aspect of it too. Lord, we thank you that we have an opportunity as a church family to come alongside Will and continue to be a support to him. Give us wisdom on how to do that well. We love you and we thank you again for this journey that Will has decided to go on with you for all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm actually going to sit down for a second, sorry, and we're going to watch the video uh, of the interview of some of the adults in our church. I love to cook. I'll cook any day, any time, any night, even... When I'm tired, I cook. So yes, spend time with the family, plan trips with the family, go on trips with the family, vacation. Um, Sara and I like to entertain people, so that's one of our things as a couple we enjoy doing together. I love to ski. That's what I love to do. Music, soccer, piano especially. Having a good conversation with a friend. I'm not usually a big group person, but um, a good friend. If we could have coffee in a garden, like that would be the ultimate. I love to play with these little ones and the two older brothers. Of course, it's music. I love yeah. just exploring all of the many different avenues that I can use my instrument, you know, in a worship setting, especially to bring people closer to the throne of God. I really like to play board games. Uh, I like to watch movies with my family, and then my wife and I play a lot of video games together, which is really fun. I spend a lot of time in my kitchen. It's a necessity, so sometimes I actually hate it, but I also love it. I love the creativity of cooking and different spices and how flavors come together and complement each other. Every time there is something good and important gets in the way of something that's sacred. That's, I need to watch the good and important things, that it doesn't take away the time from the things that are most sacred to me. There's always a, um, an opportunity for growth and to make changes within yourself, even when you think that you're completely great. I'm still practicing doing this, but talking less and listening more. Clarence Schultz said, we never sin more than when we're right, and I love to be right. But I want to learn to live in less certainty of, um, being right is really not that important. Relationships are important. God is always there, no matter what you're going through. Whether you're traveling by yourself in the middle of nowhere, or if you're busy with your kids, yeah. he's always there and he cares. Spend more time with loved ones. Uh, if it ever comes up, should I spend more time? Should I take the trip? Should you have that vacation? Do it. I've learned to trust and depend on Jesus 
and I've had my own share of going through my own mountain, going down my own valley, but God has proven to be faithful each time. One, always put God first and to take things slow. I feel like nowadays everyone is in the hurry of getting things done and to get it done well, but I've learned that you have to always put God first in whatever you do and to also approach it with a, I have time. I think I've learned to listen to people around me. Sometimes it's easy to think that you know what to do or what's important. But as you go through life, you're the young person in the beginning. And then as you grow and you get older, you realize that there's a lot to be learned from those that are coming along behind you, both your kids and your peers at work that are younger. Everybody has a reason for what they believe. Even if it's something that you can't comprehend or you think is very strange, if you could see life from their perspective, whatever it is they believe and the things that they do make sense to that person. You know, Jesus said, uh, a new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I loved you. So I think that's, in essence, many things to do, elaborate on, but that is, for me at least, the essence of Christianity. It is going to share with others the love of God and how much God loves each person, each soul, that there is, every soul is worth saving. To be an active listener. So you, you have to, every conscious moment of the day, listen for what God is telling you to do. Because if you're not active listening, you know, you, you are being guided by something else. But to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be actively listening to what He wants you to do. To be a follower of Jesus, I think, is to take on the mind and the heart of Christ. And I say both mind and heart because I don't feel that you can separate one without the, you know, take one from the other. Um, the mind is putting scripture and understanding the Bible and putting God's word in there to intellectually understand it. But then you also want your heart to understand it because then you want to be able to love well and treat people well. Loving others whenever they can't love you back. You just want to be there for them because you don't want them to feel alone. He really does want the best for us. and to just be open and willing to allow His Holy Spirit to work in us, it really does take a personal commitment. I think that being a follower of Jesus requires us to extend the grace and the mercy that He has given to all of us. Consider who people are and where they are and treat them with the love and compassion they need for that place in their life. A follower of Jesus has accepted the gospel and all that that includes and the changes that that does to our hearts and in our lives. Community outreach, I think if we, we do a lot of that already, but if we were more visible community-wise. That every single person at this church is in some way, shape, or form uh, a light, a light to the community, a world, the world, um, to each other. There's so many kids that are musical, so many kids that are talented. I would like to be able to see every week, you know. I think Ellen White said that prayer and music are synonymous. I'm paraphrasing, but that it's just as important for the worship service and to have them involved every single week. Kind of more focused on children's ministry, um, being that I was involved in that for such a long time. 
And I would just love to see parents continue to be involved, continue to pour into the Sabbath schools and the different avenues of children's ministry. I just love it where it is too, but I also want to see more people reaching out to the community, inviting more people to just come say, hey, come, come experience something special here on Myrtlewood Drive and to bring community to Calamese, Ukiah, but Beaumont, Cherry Valley, beyond just to say, come and worship with us and to have that open mindset to just welcome people as they are. Be open to all people from where they are. I think a lot about church culture as being created and matching a specific vision of a type of Christian, and that's usually someone who's extroverted and someone who likes specific types of music and specific types of ritual. And I would love to see the church expand to find ways to be an inclusive place for people who might be neurodivergent, for example people who might not click as well with different services or social gatherings, how do, we, how do we reach those people? We're right in the heart of a community and I see a lot of needs, you know? When you get off the freeway, there's always almost somebody holding the, the sign asking for food and I see so many needs like that, a lot of homeless folks and I think that being able to be a place where people are comfortable coming for help. The church gets so equipped to do a lot more for the generations that are to come up now because when I see how the world is going now, it's kind of scary, but I think we are in a position to keep God in the center of our lives and that of our children and to our community as well. Get out of the comfort zone. Get out of the comfort zone grows our families together, get together more often. And like our motto is, do life together. Even though we have busy schedules, we have to set time apart for God and for one another. Yeah, isn't that good stuff? powerful words from some of the adults in our church, profound insights. Um, they had so much wisdom to give that we were unable to include, for time's sake, their favorite ice cream flavor. So, because the adults just had so many good things to say. So if you find some of them, you see any of the adults in that video, you can ask them what their favorite ice cream flavor. When, when I interviewed a few people, some even said, I can't eat ice cream anymore. <laughs> so sometimes it happens when you become an adult. But I love, I don't know if you have seen this trend, I love how even though there is different wisdom that is given from each generation in those videos, there's a lot of similar dreams and definitions of what it means to, to follow Christ and be a church together. And I think that's beautiful. Sometimes I think we forget how much commonality we have intergenerationally. Well, if you haven't guessed yet, if you're a visitor today, we are doing this series on different generations in the church, and today our focus is on our awesome adults. And in case you were wondering what it means to be an adult, I found this helpful de definition from a very reliable source, of course, social media, entitled, How to Be an Adult. So here, here it was. 
Number one, gain 30 pounds overnight. That's not that far off from being true. Uh, have a bag full of cords. I think I have a bin full of cords at home. Keep boxes because they are nice. <laughs> Choose comfort over style, absolutely. Have dark bags under your eyes. Keep plastic bags in a plastic bag. You have a favorite burner. I didn't even realize I did that. I don't know about you, mine is the front right burner on the stove. That is my go-to. If you also have that, you are an adult. Uh, have a gift bag full of gift bags, yes. Choose sleep over going out, definitely. And your entire body hurts for no reason. As an adult, I can say these are all unfortunately true. In all seriousness, though, you adults out there are often the generation that is the busiest taking care of the rest of the generations in the church. They are very dedicated, very generous with their time and resources, even though you have so much going on in your life, in your careers, in your family. But we don't often talk a lot about adults, the impact they have in church. They don't get a lot of the attention. In fact, when I was trying to do research for this sermon, I went out on the internet trying to find stats and research and contributions, you know, et cetera, for adults in the church, and there's not much out there. There's a ton about youth and young adults and even seniors in the church and, of course, kids. And so sometimes you'll get some family uh, ministry stuff, some adults who are parents already. But adults in general, there's just not that much out there. In many ways, we take adults for granted in the church. So maybe it would be good to pause and just say, we're sorry, adults, for the times that we take you for granted. We notice you. We, we thank you so much for the care, the dedication, the stability you give our church family. You are often the ones that we lean on the most when it comes to ministry and, and leadership in the church, and we are so, so grateful. Maybe one reason why we fall into that trap of taking you for granted sometimes is because we know that you are, well, adults. You are at a place in your life when you're very mature and responsible and stable, or at least that's the way you're supposed to be. And being mature and responsible is not always easy, or dare I say, fun. Sometimes it's downright exhausting. I've also seen many quotes and memes this past week, looking at stuff about adults, describing how hard the reality of adulting can be. Maybe you've seen some of these. The first one I saw was, being an adult is like folding a fitted sheet. Good luck. Bimi has explained to me how to do that so many times. I can never figure it out. It just gets wadded up and thrown in the closet. Here's another one. Being an adult is like looking both ways to cross the street, but then getting hit by an airplane. <laughs> I think there's some people that can relate to that feeling. This one may be hard to see the graphic, the size, the quality is not great, but what being an adult feels like, that's a dog with its own leash in its mouth walking itself. It's up to you to figure out how to <laughs> go forward, right? 
But I did find one quote that describes something really cool about being an adult. The cool thing about being an adult is that you can go to bed at 9.30 p.m. and still feel completely exhausted the next day. So because of these kinds of realities of adulthood, I found some other cute memes like this next one. I don't want to adult today. I just want to dog. I'll be lying down on the floor in the sun. You can pet me and bring me some snacks. <laughs> or if some of you out there are cat people, I don't know why you would want to be one of those kinds of people. But in case you are, here's one for you. I don't want to adult today. I don't even want to human today. Today, I want to cat. Cats do have a pretty good lifestyle. Being mature and a responsible adult is not always easy or fun. But I think that there is a powerful spiritual lesson in that reality of the tough responsibilities of adulthood that I think would be important for us to remember today. It is one that I think is illustrated well by the story in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, the story of Captain Naaman. Let's read it together. We're just going to read about half of it for the sake of time. The whole chapter is great to read, but we're going to be just from verses 1 through 15. 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Well, you could preach a whole sermon just on that. Everything else in life is good, but I've got this one thing that's really tough, right? <laughs> Can you relate? Successful commander, valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Verse 2. Now bands of raiders from Aaron had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to the mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. What courage she had. Verse 4, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. That's a lot, a lot of expensive stuff. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. He thought this was some sort of trap that they were sending. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and the, and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, far better than all the waters of Israel? 
Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he just tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is a God, I'm sorry, that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. Quite a story. Quite a transformation in this rough, strong, successful army commander both physically and spiritually. Love how he adds that servant at the end, your servant. But I draw your focus today to just one thing for us to take away. And that thought is this. Transformation often comes when we are faithful in the non-glamorous, mundane, ordinary stuff. Naaman can't believe that he has been asked to wash in the filthy Jordan River. He goes away angry. I thought you would come out to me and call in the name of your God and do this abracadabra thing over my spots, and they'd be gone. Something spectacular like that. Or at least send me to the rivers of Damascus that are much nicer and cleaner than the waters of Israel. Now, we may criticize Naaman for his pride here, but aren't we guilty of doing the same thing sometimes? I at least know that I am. How often I want God to transform me on my terms. How often do I think that my calling should be filled with spectacular and awe-inspiring moments? You know, when you're a young adult and and you have these these, uh, visions of what your career is going to be like, your life is going to be like, your marriage, your family life is going to be like, and it's just, it is wonderful. It's filled with some awe-inspiring moments, but like 90% of it is just a grind, right? Same stuff, day in, day out. Not always that glamorous. How often do I balk at God's bidding when he tells me to simply go and dip down deep into the non-glamorous thing that is right in front of me? You know, adulting is, is like that. It is filled with tons of the non-glamorous, the mundane, the ordinary. Like at work, I'm sure many of you who are in the medical field have to write endless notes day after day for patients. You teachers out there, constant lesson plans for students. We've got to keep up with all the emails that we've got to read and send. We've got to change a million diapers a day, fold laundry, chauffeur the kids to this practice or game or music lesson and so much more. I love how Naaman has to wash seven times. Now, I know that seven is a special number in Scripture, and maybe there's some special spiritual significance to the number seven here in the story that we really should understand, but I also can't help but think how those repetitions speak to the reality of the mundane and the ordinary tasks in life. We have to do them 
then again and again and again and again and again and again. My goodness, have you ever done laundry? And then the very next day, you look in the closet, the hamper, and you're like, how in the world do I have to do laundry again already? Maybe nobody else has that problem. It happens in our house. Maybe it's just when you have kids and a messy husband. I don't know. Naaman, I can just imagine him going under that first time into that murky, gross water, coming up for a breath and maybe pausing for a second. I know it's not in the text. It's just what I'm imagining. And maybe one of his servants behind him gently reminds him, Master, again, again, again. Again is the reality of the mundane and ordinary So it got me thinking, if most of our time is spent in the dirty, dull waters of daily life, then doesn't it stand to reason that those moments are where God will use us the most? Where God will grow us and transform us the most and those we come in contact with in those moments? Which also got me thinking, what if we sought to be our kindest, our most patient, our most generous, our most gracious, our most trusting of our Heavenly Father in the mundane moments of life? I wonder what kind of transformations would we witness in us and in others? I don't know about you, but it's usually the mundane stuff where I say, I can act however I want in this. This is miserable. But when I get to church or when I get to this, I'll I'll act good, Lord. What if it was the reverse? What if we especially thought, this is where I need to be my most patient, my most reliant on God in these dull tasks? I shared this story a couple years back during one of our um, messages for August at Cal Mesa. I apologize for using it again, but you know, you probably forgot it anyway. Um, uh, you may be familiar with this person, Lisa Tukerst. Um, She's an incredibly uh, well-renowned speaker, author, uh, has this ministry that she started, Proverbs 31 ministry. It's very successful. She's used to speaking in, um, you know, places where there's thousands of people in attendance. And a number of years ago, maybe you've read this also in one of her books, God called her to a ministry that was so different from all the grand and public things she had been doing that she didn't know if she could adjust or manage it very well. In fact, Lisa begins telling the story in her book by describing a moment when she crawled into the closet, shut the door, and just burst into tears. She says, you see, the closet was the only thing, or sorry, the closest thing I had to a vacation from my grueling life as a homeschool mom. Day after day, I spent hours sitting at a sticky kitchen table teaching multiplication tables and grammar rules to my five children. One particular day, the stress, exhaustion, and monotony of it all took such a toll on her that she could, all she could do was crawl into that closet and weep. But let's back up a bit of the story, which she also does in the book, and see how she gets to this place. We back up to when Lisa had just three children, and one of her daughters was in the Girl Scouts, and part of what they do 
uh, for their curriculum that year is they, they, the different troops, they study countries around the world and do some research and some presentations. And they were going to have a big presentation uh, of all the research that the girls were doing on different countries. And it was going to be at this big program. And at that program, they were going to have uh, one of the main features was a concert from an a cappella boys choir from Liberia. The night of the festival came, the Girl Scouts presented what they learned about various countries around the world, and then it came time for the program, and I think it was around Christmas time, they sang a lot of uh, sacred pieces, uh, songs about glorifying God, the joy of the Lord, and when this Liberian choir, boy choir began to perform, Lisa was captivated, so touched by the, the, their songs, and, and in between some of the songs, people would get up and they would present the story behind the kids and the musical group, and it just pulled at her heartstrings all the more. You see, these boys were orphans, and they were all former war babies whose parents had been brutally killed in Liberia's 15-year civil war. Many of them, their family was murdered right in front of them. Rebel forces had gone from village to village, slaughtering men, women, and children, the older children, leaving the toddlers and the infants to fend for themselves. Yet here they were, singing from the depths of their souls about the joy of the Lord. And something about their faces, radiant with unadulterated gratitude for the faithfulness of God, left Lisa undone. She thought to herself, would I be capable of singing that kind of praise to God if I lost everyone and everything I had? And that's when an impression from the Holy Spirit, she says, dropped in her heart like a bomb. Two of these boys belong to you, was her thought. That thought and feeling she had to adopt was so intense and also so scary. She said that I silently developed a plan to walk out the back door of the church before the program ended. But she said, I just couldn't. I felt impressed to stay, resisted the urge to leave. And when the event was over, there was an announcement that there would be a light reception in another room where they could meet some of the boys in the choir. Lisa took her three girls in tow and walked into the reception. Soon they found themselves talking to two boys in particular. And they had a good time exchanging uh, words and fellowshipping for a little bit. And then when they hugged goodbye, those boys said, Goodbye, Mom, to Lisa. Later that night, and for many days after, Lisa shared with her husband the impression, the, the experience. They talked about it. They, they thought about it. They prayed about it. Then they decided to attend a second concert together. This time, they both felt impressed to adopt. And that is how that decursed family welcomed two Liberian teenagers, 13 and 14 years old, into their family. The boys had to take some tests to know where they were going, uh, what grade they were going to be in at school. And as they took those tests, it revealed that their education level was at a kindergarten level. They would both have to start kindergarten, and the state that they lived in required that they be no older than 21 years of age by the time they graduate high school, which meant time was short. The only feasible solution they saw was to homeschool the boys for two years, get them caught all the way up to middle school level, then they could go to uh, a regular school and be on pace to graduate in time. So Lisa walked away from everything big she was doing. Now, instead of ministering to tens of thousands, she was teaching multiplication and grammar rules around the family kitchen table. 
A lot of people would have seen that as a lesser calling, but Lisa had been walking long enough with God to know better that it wasn't a lesser calling. So overnight, she became a homeschool mom, she says, to all five of her children, which of course is extraordinary and noble work. Some of you here I I know do homeschool, but it is filled also with a lot of mundane, ordinary tasks, day in, day out, going over the same concepts again, same kinds of problems again and again with the kids. And of course, Lisa was no longer doing what came naturally to her, what she was used to doing. She was no longer an expert in anything. In fact, day after day, she felt totally inadequate to what God was clearly calling her to do. And before long, she felt like she was drowning. And that's how she ended up in the closet that day in tears. And as she was kneeling there in the closet, she describes how a question rushes into her mind and her soul. The question was, Lisa, are you a woman of faith? Yes, of course, God, I'm a woman of faith. And then she felt this response. If you are a woman of faith, you need to live a life that requires faith. You've been talking about faith, but you are a mastermind at maneuvering so that you don't have to have any faith at all. Now go back out there to that sticky kitchen table. That is where you will live by greater faith. Teaching multiplication tables is how I'm going to use you to change the world today. And boy, did she ever change the world, at least the world of those two boys. Because after two years, those boys moved from kindergarten to sixth grade and were allowed to go to the local public middle school. And then another four years later, their oldest son, Jackson, at the age of 21, right on the, on the dot, graduated from high school after being in kindergarten just six years before. In fact, Jackson's accomplishment had such a profound impact on the whole school and the faculty that he was selected to receive the Administrator's Excelsior Award, the highest award they could give to any student there at that school. Were lives transformed? You bet. Was the world changed? Absolutely. Did God need Lisa to preach to thousands of people to do it or have some sort of glamorous, grand kind of ministry? No. He just needed her to go to that sticky kitchen table again and again and again and again. Be faithful there. Family, my appeal for us today is simply, and especially to you adults, here today that live in this kind of space, maybe more than the rest of us, although I shouldn't say the rest of us because I am an adult now. I'm accepting that fact, trying to. But my appeal is simply, let's be faithful in the ordinary. If you're like me, you may wake up some days and feel like not adulting that day, like you want to be a dog. I'd even be a cat instead, even though I'm not a cat person rather than carry out all those non-glamorous responsibilities that we've got to do. But I think those mundane moments are where God is going to do some of his best work in and through us. So maybe we need to especially be faithful in the ordinary.
Please stand and let's sing together as we in worship. what happens when you have the minister also play worship here with me. Ground up, where's your church? Where's your church? 
sing that again, church family. Let's sing it again. Let's build a church. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. It's your church. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground. Sing it now. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. chance to be a part of the church that you're building. May we continue to listen to each generation so that we can build it together. But Lord, it is a church that you are building, founded on you, our chief cornerstone. May we continue to keep that in mind as we move forward together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.